On today's episode of Double Down Shrent, Aaron and I are previewing the NBA Finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Toronto Raptors. We've also got a special new segment, or a mini-segment I should say, called Aubrey from Toronto, where I really tell Drake what I think about him. I know he's a big listener, so he really must be concerned about what I have to say about him. We're also talking NCAA football futures bets, so we're going to talk about some bets you guys might want to lay before the season starts, as well as how to hedge those bets. And then we're rounding the episode out with our new favorite segment called Crossfire, where Aaron just asks me some random questions and I have to answer them with no prep at all. So stick around for episode 34 of Double Down Trent. Double down Trent, you might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies. Let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive, so you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe. Trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah. Double Down Trent, let's go. This is Double Down Trent. Listen, we have the best player, we have the best fans in the whole in the whole NBA, in the whole world. Look around, look around you. Look at this. We created this. This didn't exist before we were here. Look around at the square, I promise you right now. We did this. Doesn't matter what anybody says. They can say it's disrespectful. They can say it's this and that and that. Everybody's within, everybody's within the rules. Everybody's doing their thing. All we are is proud and passionate. We are like a college sports team. The Toronto Raptors are a college sports team, I promise you. I love Toronto. I love this team, and we're going to the NBA Finals. Let's go! All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I'm your co-host, as always. And once again, I am joined by my buddy Aaron. What's going on, bud? Uh, It's been way too long. I'm really happy to be back. Been taking a break, kicking my feet up, just, you know, celebrating in general. Now it's back to work. Way too long. The model's been in the lab doing some work. Why don't you, you know, shed a little uh, insights to the listeners on what the model's been up to and what you've been working on while you've been uh, on this little break. Still way more to go, but I've been focused solely on college football, which is what, three months out. It's approaching, man. It's rapidly approaching. I'm trying to get some stats going, work on the, on the model, really just prepping to celebrate uh, me beating the man in our annual man versus model competition. Uh, that's going to be an annual tradition for me. I'm pretty sure. You know, I'd like to address those rumors that are being spread there. So yes, you did beat me. So I guess you can't call it a rumor. However, this was our first little season. You had all of the backing of a man-made learning algorithm. And I was more of a, I describe myself as a casual college football fan. I watch, I pay attention, I gamble. But the ins and outs of the minor games, as you noted, we did Colorado every week. Texas fucking killed me. <laughs> so I got to learn these teams. And now, just like you, you've got an offseason to learn. I have an offseason to learn. So I'm expecting it to be a little more competitive and a little more close this season. All right. I'm looking forward to those new uh, mental gymnastics that you've been doing. <laughs> And uh, we'll see if they pay off for you uh, later this year. Well, I've got my calculator, baby, and we're going to be crunching some numbers when we come up to college football season. But uh, just to give a little teaser, we are going to be discussing some college football. We're going to be doing some futures. Uh, that's going to be in a, the second half of our uh, our segments here today. It's been too long since we've been gambling. I don't too know long. about you, man. I've got too the long. itch. I miss it. I got the bug right now, man. I got some cash to play with. I haven't done anything since March Madness. I guess that's a lie. I don't have that much cash to play with. I lost <laughs> in March Madness. 
But we got a lot of things on the agenda to gamble. So uh, let's jump into it. We've got the NBA Finals. And I don't know if this would be a matchup people expected. I think Golden State surely was the favorite to be there. Yeah, They're back fifth year in a row, which is absolutely insane. Uh, but the other team, Toronto, is a bit of a shocker, if you ask me. They've basically come out of nowhere. Now they did, you know, I was get Kawhi Leonard last year, and he was injured for some of the year and has been playing off the, you know, insane this this playoffs. Um, but yeah, I think uh, a lot of folks were surprised to see them sneak past Milwaukee and get into the finals. Yeah, especially when uh, Milwaukee jumped out to that two nothing lead. You know, that that's tough to come back from. But man, they rebounded. Freaking Kawhi plays like a robot, but he is just like a scoring rebounding machine. The guy is just like it's almost robotic. Like I said, he just, he just dominates games. And then also you look down and you're like, Oh shit, Kawhi's got 38 points. You know, like he took over that series. I thought Giannis or Giannis, I should say, that's his real name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to dominate. Uh, he played very well, but um, one thing I do want to throw out there real quick in the broadcast, uh, Giannis got hurt in the, the deciding game came out on the bench. I don't know if you saw this or not, but no. missed the last couple minutes of the game. Now, Chris Webber was one of the uh, broadcasters who was uh, calling the game. And he basically said that Giannis quit on his team for not going back in the game. Now that's kind of hypocritical coming from a guy like Chris Webber, who, if you don't know, he uh, called a timeout in bad time, bad time, (laughs) bad time. (laughs) And Michigan did not have a timeout cost his team championship. So, you know, for, for Chris Webber to spit that kind of hatred on him is a little interesting, but you know, he sure seemed hurt. And if the guy was hurt, you know, you're not expected to go back in the game. But um, regardless, they uh, they advance. The Toronto Raptors move on. Now, I've got some thoughts in this series. Let's go. Let's get into a few things first before we jump into more of the, uh, you know, outside realm and everything that's related to this game. I don't know about you, Air, but I don't know how this game or how this series is even going to be close. It, to me, it looks like a Golden State just runaway, doesn't it? I would totally agree. And now... KD is out. We don't know for how long. Yep. Poss- he's, he's definitely out for game one. Definitely game one. Uh, possibly more. Possibly the whole series. They haven't told us. But to me, even with him out, I still think Golden State's an absolute juggernaut. And uh, Toronto is going to need some some crowd help, some luck, some just absolute insane performances from their boys. Yeah, and it's interesting because without Kevin Durant, they're, they've reverted back to those Warriors teams where it was Steph, Clay, and Draymond. And they still got it. You know, when, when they're running their offense together, when Draymond, it, when he is playing like a point guard and pushing the ball up the court, I mean, their, their offense is unstoppable. I saw a thing uh, where on ESPN was breaking it down where Draymond gets the rebound. The shot clock hasn't even reset in terms of Golden State having the ball. Steph is already on a fast break. Draymond throws it up. Steph takes one step to the three-point line, nails a three. Two seconds came off the shot clock, and they've already got three more points. Like, when they're clicking like that, it is impossible. Now, I have some thoughts on Kevin Durant, and hear me out on these, and let me know what okay. you think on this. Okay. Do we think Kevin Durant is actually more injured than the Warriors are letting on? Because I do. Ooh, tell me more. Yeah. They're calling this a calf strain. Okay. Okay. And it it very well may could be a calf strain, but from what I saw on the replay, Durant took a shot, he turned to run, and he looked back almost as if like he thought somebody kicked him. And he looked back like kind of like, what the, what the fuck? No one touched him. Now, from everyone who has torn an Achilles, they describe it 
just like that. They thought someone kicked them in the ankle and there's no one near them. So I have a theory that because Kevin Durant is a free agent, because he's basically saying he's not going to come back, the Warriors are kind of holding this information back. Now, I don't know why. I don't know if that's going to maybe help negotiate to get him back on the team or if they're going to use that information for for something or maybe the NBA is behind this. They don't want to get out that he's injured uh, with a torn Achilles. I'm going conspiratorial here, Eric. Oh, here we go. Here think, we go. I think the injury is worse than in, uh, than the leading on. So you're thinking that we are not going to see KD at all in the at finals? At all. I don't think he's going to wow. play at all. That could be one of those, uh, you know, hot takes that comes back to bite me in the ass. I, I sure hope so. <laughs> it usually does <laughs> when I make statements like that, but I don't know. I've got a feeling that he's way more injured than he, than he is leading on. He's the marquee free agent, uh, this yep. off season. And I think, I, I don't know what the warriors would gain by not saying anything, but I certainly would see why the NBA doesn't want that getting out. So who knows? I think it's something to watch. Well, let me ask you this. Is there not something in the NBA that's, you know, kind of similar to what the NFL does where there are certain days in the week and there are certain times that they have to come out with their injury report that essentially forces teams to categorize the likelihood of the guys that are going to play and also give some detail behind it? They do, um, but they're they're simply saying it's a calf strain. So there's nothing that says like, oh, we need to see the, you know, x-rays or MRIs or whatever the hell you guys took on him. There's nothing along those lines, but if the team says he's not playing, they it's just like the NFL. I believe there's a, a deadline for them to announce their, uh, you know, non-active players and injury report. Yeah. Okay. Well, because KD is out, and I think this is probably a smart part of it. I, I took a look at 5:38 before we jumped on, and they actually have Toronto as the favorite in these finals based on the model that they run. They have Toronto winning likely to win the series as 55 percent, and Golden State likely to win 45 percent. To now, me, this is like absolutely insane. Totally right. off. That seems off, right? It does. I, I, in my head, like, yeah, they've got Kawhi. Kawhi's been playing like an absolute beast. But, I mean, Golden State is just a juggernaut at this point. I don't see how they're going to stop them. And then, you know, Kawhi, who is he going to be covering? Because he's also a defensive wizard. Is yeah. he going to be, you know, covering Clay? Because, or, or is it Steph? But, like, Steph doesn't seem like the right matchup. No. Kawhi's a pretty big guy. I just don't know who, like, who if, if he's on one of those guys, how are you stopping Draymond and Steph or, you know, whoever it is that, that Kawhi's not covering? And to me, they also want to say, okay, do we need to conserve him a little bit on defense so that we get more offensive production from him? And, you know, he can't do it all. Right, exactly. So what does uh, that, that number translate to in terms of odds for uh, if you're going to take either Toronto or Golden State? Yeah, so right now what I'm seeing for the series, if you took Golden State for the series, that that's at minus 280, which is basically saying that Golden State is uh, likely to win these finals 73% of the time. So it's just totally off from what uh, 538 has. So for me, this is either kind of two ways. Number one, if you really like Toronto and you think they're going to win the finals, you bet them you know, at the series, you're going to get a great great odds probably like or something plus 200 plus 220 maybe plus 230 um or number two if you like golden state you should actually be betting on a game by game um you know because they're away you know on thursday that game is maybe a one point game that we're seeing right now on the lines and you're going to be able to get much better odds if you bet game by game versus trying to do a series bet Interesting insight there. And yeah, I'm looking at Pavada. Now your books are probably gonna be a little different everywhere. And, and this likely will change a little bit as we get closer to, to tip off. But right now it's uh Bavada's got Golden State as a one point favorite for game one on the road in Toronto. So I don't know, it's gonna be interesting. But 
I uh, I just don't see how this is going to be a Toronto win. I actually think this is going to be Golden State. And I got a question for you here if we're going to gamble and set some odds here because I haven't looked at this. All right. But I would say uh, over or under five and a half games in this series. Oh, I'm going to take under on that one. I think I would take under two. I see this as a 4-1. Yes, agreed. In terms of Golden State. Agreed. I totally agree. Bizarre. Okay, well, let's get to some fun little ditties uh, around the series. So... Last uh, in the in the Eastern Conference Finals, it was Toronto Milwaukee. Now things got a little contentious, and we have a new segment that we are going to be calling Aubrey from Toronto. <laughs> what the heck does this mean? That is the real name and birthplace of one individual named Drake. I just want to say, fuck off, Drake. <laughs> fuck off. Now he's not the first celebrity to be on the sidelines and make an antics. So certainly Spike Lee was doing it, Yep. but Drake is inserting himself into the games. Basically he was on screen giving the fucking Raptors coach shoulder rubs during the middle of the game. He's talking shit to the, the Bucks team and let's be honest. Okay. Cause Aubrey is a soft, soft man. Okay. He's not, he's not known in the rap world or the hip hop world as being a tough guy. Okay. And he's trying, he's in the face of these freaking big ass NBA guys talking shit. I'm surprised one of these guys just didn't fucking punch him or knock him out. Like, I would have just been talking so much shit right back to him and be like, sit your bitch ass down, Drake. Now, you've obviously thinking that he's crossed the line in terms of what a fan should and shouldn't do, given that they're at a front court seat uh, at a game. Look it. Now, I'll drop the line from Entourage, okay, from Ari. Hey, I paid two grand for these seats. I'll chuck up a three if I want to. So, <laughs> I guess if you're paying that much money, you've got the right to stand up and be seen. But when you start, like, going over and, like, talking and rubbing the shoulders of the coaches, talking, like, and I'm not saying, like, you can't talk shit, but he's, like, walking up over to the fucking Bucks bench talking yeah. shit. Like, he, he is crossing the line, especially to the point where now the TV cameras feel obligated to show him. Yeah. It's like you're you're not involved in it. I don't care if he even is a part-time owner in the team, which I think he is. I don't give a fuck. Sit down and stay out of the picture. It just drives me nuts. Well, also talking about Drake, there's a guy on Twitter who made a prop bet for this game six, Toronto against Milwaukee, that during halftime, he made a prop bet that the TNT announcers would say the word Drake sometime at halftime. <laughs> Now, typically at halftime, you know, you talk about the game, you talk about the players, you talk about the score. And what they ended up doing, this guy was so good that he ended up tweeting at TNT, their halftime show, and his tweet was uh, showcased during halftime. And he simply said, he tweeted at them, say the name Drake or say the word Drake. And they did it and he won his bet. So he took his prop bet and he was one. And I, I just want to applaud his effort because that was phenomenal. I mean, that's incredible. Good job by that guy. I mean, did he, I mean, if, if it was someone in the booth that saw the tweet, like, why not just say that? I wonder if they would have said it anyway, just because yeah. he was making such a scene, but oh, good job by that guy. That's how you win some money. And I, I actually would look, I'm sure there's a prop bet on the amount of times they mentioned Drake in this, this series. There's gotta be a profit. Well, if I had to put you on the spot, let me say, okay, if we're going to go, I'll do, I'll use five and a half again, under over five and a half Drake on screen. What are you, what are you saying on screen? Oh, it's definitely over. You think so? Oh, definitely over. Oh. De- 
Because assuming it goes five games, right? They're well, gonna sh- sorry, I'm just talking about game one. Game oh, one game one, one, game one. Yeah. Okay. Um, whew, good line for game one. Man, that's tough, man. I'd, I'd probably go under on, on one game. Okay. I, I feel like, because at one point we were watching it with, uh, well, my now fiance. Ooh. Uh, yeah. I said, how many times? I was like, wait, do you see Drake? Like, they're just going to show him. And it actually took a little longer before they showed Drake, but they finally did. So I, I think five and a half is a good line. Okay. I like that. And just for the record, we will later in this pod, we will get back to that fiance moment and we will touch on that more. Um, Ooh, don't okay. think I've forgotten about that. All right. I like it. Now, my last little ditty uh, about the, the Bucks Raptors series. Yep. Now, uh, one of the best moves I saw the entire time, because everyone was sick of Drake, except for maybe, maybe Drake's entourage was fine with it. Uh, <laughs> the daughter of the Bucks owner, her name is Mallory Edens. She was sitting courtside next to Aaron Rodgers. So it kind of, she kind of faded away because obviously everyone knows Aaron Rodgers. Not everyone knows Mallory Edens. She was wearing a t-shirt with Pusha T's face on it. Now, let me give some background and context for those that aren't aware. Who, who is Pusha T? Good question. Pusha T is a rapper, not the biggest name, obviously not even close to the level of Drake in terms of fame and money and popularity. However, Pusha T and Drake got into what, those in the rap game call a beef. <laughs> they had a, a little bit of a back and forth and then push it, push a T dropped what you call a diss track on dream. Okay. And I'm going to uh, put a little clip of it into the audio here for the listeners, but push a T basically ended Drake's like manhood. A baby's involved, it's deeper than rap We talking character, let me keep with the facts You are hiding a child, let that boy come home Deadbeat motherfucker playing Border Patrol Drake didn't respond to the diss track Which is basically a bitch move It confirms everything I say or think about Drake that he's a bitch So, by her wearing a t-shirt with Pusha T's face on it I thought it was such an amazing move. I just wish the Bucks had won that she could have stood up and like flashed that shirt right into Drake's face. Well, she might have to wait until the finals to do that, and someone else would have to be the uh, flag bearer for Pusha T instead of the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. So if anyone is listening that is sitting courtside at this final series, which I highly doubt, <laughs> somebody please either give us tickets mm, or wear a Pusha T t shirt. <laughs> I like it. I, I like either of those options. Right. Uh, okay. So that was our basketball segment. We're going to uh, be watching this. I think we'll probably do some bets and talk about it as the, uh, the series continues on. If it lasts into next week, that is, <laughs> um, but now let's move on. So like you said, you've been in the lab working on the model. Let's talk a little NCAA football future bets. Yes. And before we even get into the one that I want to talk to you about, I just want to talk futures for a second and say, what the fuck is a futures bet? Don't hold back. You can just drop that fuck bomb. It feels good. Love it. Love it. That's that's what I need. (laughs) Okay. So a futures bet is, um, we talked a little bit about this in the Barry Horse podcast when we interviewed him, but this is like, you know, another option in terms of a, a bet that you can do. A future is something that's going to happen in the future. So for example, if I said, okay, I am going to be in Georgia later in 2020 for a wedding. You know, that's a bet that we can all make. That's, right? that's something that could possibly happen in the future, and there's associated odds with that. So obviously in these sports, 
you know, there, there's going to be bets, futures bets around who's going to win the national championship, who's going to win a conference championship, and there's going to be associated odds with a lot of those teams. Now, because this bet is so far in the future, the odds tend to be much kind of higher, much less likely to happen because there's a lot of uncertainty between now and the end of the college football season. For example, players can get injured. There's, you know, just an infinite amount of things that can happen. And one of the things about futures is that books will release the opening of the future line for a certain team. And then that line will change across the season, given how much money and how much action they have on that bet. So what you'll end up seeing across the the season is that, you know, for book A, they might have a futures bet for some team at plus 300, but book B might have that same bet for that same team at plus 600, just because they've gotten a lot more, uh, you know, bets on other teams that, you know, they're trying to make that, that team more attractive or whatever. So you just see these huge discrepancies um, kind of making this market sometimes more inefficient and you might find some good winners here. And from what we've been told by Barry Horace and what we've seen by a few other, you know, people who are professional gamblers and have models, they tend to favor this because they, they're usually winning money from this. Can you kind of give a, your understanding as to why people are, are sometimes, I don't know if I want to say sometimes, but are winning money at a better clip doing futures than they are on a daily basis or even on like an in-game basis. Yeah. And I'd say that there's a couple things. So one, the thing I just said, based on market efficiencies Two, because they have a data driven approach for being able to estimate probability in the future. So for example, if I look at Alabama schedule and make a bunch of uh, assumptions about, you know, their rating and the team, the rating of each team that they're going to play, I could come back to you and say, okay, I think the likelihood that they're going to go undefeated this year is 20%. That'll put them in the, you know, in the finals or the playoff, and then whatever. Um, so, like, you can kind of start coming up with those data-driven approaches to estimate what is the likelihood an outcome is actually going to happen. And then three, the you know, um, I just think that this is one thing in your market portfolio that you know you're not only betting games, which has associated odds and 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 vig, but then these features are going to be something different. So it's almost like a different tool in your tool belt. And then you can take action on the futures bet during the season by hedging out and being able to lock in a profit if you feel like the risk is too high and you just kind of want to uh, stamp it down a little bit. Awesome. So we're going to get into some hedging. I love what you just said there. You said diversify your portfolio and tools in a toolbox. We just covered white collar and blue collar all in one little speech. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as an example, I want to walk you through one futures bet that I'm going to try to sell you on and see if I can get you on board with me. Okay, let's do it. And then what we'll do at the end of this is kind of get into uh, hedging and, and how you can use these bets to then make money as the season progresses. So who you got for me, pal? Okay, so the one that I'm looking at is for this NCAA football college season coming up. I am looking in the Pac-12. Now that I'm based in Colorado, this is the uh, division that I know best. And I'm looking at the conference champion, and I'm looking at the University of Utah, the Utah Utes. The Utes. For Pac-12 champion. And a line that I'm seeing on them is plus 800, which translates to them winning the championship about 11% of the time. Okay. Okay. So that's going to be really important. Let's keep that 11% in our minds, because if we think that the odds Utah is going to win the championship 15%, 20%, or maybe 2%, right? Like we need to have some semblance of what is the likelihood of them that happening in our mind to try to figure out if this bet is going to be good or bad. Okay. Now, before I uh, let you continue, please. have you seen my cousin Vinny? This is a very big aside. 
Uh oh. Uh, with with Joe Pesci way back in the day. I mean, maybe twenty years ago, but I couldn't tell you a thing about it. So the Utah Utes. Now, Joe Pesci, his character is playing a lawyer from New York, and he's in Alabama, <laughs> and. He, the word he's supposed to be saying is youths, Y-O-U-T-H-S, right? And he says, Yana, the two youths uh, are not guilty. And the judge is like, the two what? And he goes, the two youths. And he goes, are you saying a you? <laughs> and he goes, I'm sorry, a youth. <laughs> so when you say the youths, that's the first thing that pops into my mind. Okay, continue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not shocking to me that you'd go to a movie as we're going through sports. Yeah. Okay. So here are some reasons why I think this bet is a good one that Utah will win the Pac 12 championship more than 11% of the time. Number one, last year they finished nine and five overall. So pretty good. Yep. They were six and three in conference. And all of that on top of they had a bunch of injuries. So they had a starting quarterback who was out multiple games. They mm-hmm. had a starting running back who was out multiple games. Mm-hmm. So this, they had huge kind of injuries that they were fighting all year. And there were others that I'm not going to go into. And they still were able to kind of close out a lot of these games uh, pretty well. Right. Okay. Number two, last year they ranked uh, 76, kind of middle of the pack out of 130 teams in points scored per game with 28 points scored per game. So they're kind of, you know, average on offense, but that's not shocking knowing that uh, their starting quarterback and their starting running back who had both pretty good players were out for much of the year. Mm-hmm. And then number two, their defense, they were 17th out of 130 uh, where they only let up about 19 points per game. Um, that's surprising. I would not have pictured their defense to be that good. They were pretty good. Yep. Okay. Okay, so we're going to put that in our uh, in the back of our minds. Okay. Now, this current season, so for the games that they have coming up um, that are conference only, so conference only games, their hardest games are at USC, Southern Cal, and are at Washington. Mm-hmm. Now, the other two games that I think may have implications on their, you know, whether they go or not, they are home against Washington State and they are home against Arizona State. So, uh, you know, I call out those four games. So Utah has one of the easiest schedules in the Pac-12. They, they, the way they set up the schedules every year, they essentially miss out on two teams. And the two teams that they're missing out on this coming season is Oregon, Big kind time. of preseason ranked in the top 10, maybe yep. top 12. And the other team they're missing out on is Stanford, currently ranked preseason or top 25 preseason. Maybe they're around 17, something okay. like that. All right, so they're missing out on those two. Good, good favor for them. That's all right. That's good. Big time. Okay. So now we have the assumption that to say, okay, they were pretty good last year based on what we heard. How many of those freaking players are coming back, right? If they lose all their players, then what I just told you is absolute yep. shit. But if they're coming back, then that you know might mean that they're going to continue to be good. So Utah is ranked 21st in returning production. So again, out of 130 teams, they're nearly in the top you know, 15% or so. And they have 90% of their offense returning, which is, you know, really good. That's, that's like yeah. ranked. You don't, number, you don't see that very often. No, that's like ranked number three across the whole, like all the teams. And they have 60% of their defense returning, which is kind of middle of the road. Right. So, um, you know, put those together, they're kind of ranked 21st for returning production. And that's the best, you know, that's the highest ranked a Pac-12 team has. Okay. Uh, with Oregon as a Oregon State as a close second, and Oregon State was absolutely abysmal last year. So you would imagine that 
you know, they're playing a lot of young players and they'll probably continue to get better, but it won't have conference uh, championship implications. Now, the last thing I have for you is that it doesn't even matter how Utah does versus everyone in the Pac-12. It only matters how they do against the folks in their division. So the Pac-12 is split into two divisions. It's the North Division and the South Division. And what you end up seeing is that all the good teams, all the pretty good teams, Pac-12 isn't great in general compared to other conferences, but all the good teams in the Pac-12 are in the North Division. Utah is in the South Division. So, so who else they got in the South? Yeah, so in the South, it's Utah, Arizona State, Arizona, USC, UCLA, and Colorado. That's pretty favorable. So just to kind of put things in perspective, the closest team to Utah in terms of futures odds is USC. They finished uh, four and five in the conference last year, five and seven overall. So you kind of, you know, would hope to see them get better, but I, you know, they're kind of still a question mark and Utah thumped them pretty good last year. Um, Utah was home last year, right? Yep. So they would need to have a pretty significant step up and their, their returning production isn't even as good as Utah. So if Utah can do better than those other, I guess there's other six teams, five teams in their in their division. We would expect them to make the conference finals. So that's okay. a big step. Yeah, they got to get there first in order to win the conference. Looks like they got an easy path, or I should say the easiest path to get there. Yes, I, yes, which I think is true. So um, the other wrinkle that I would just add is that let's just look at USC for a second because USC is the most likely challenger to Utah to make the conference chan- championship for the South Division. USC has four tough games, and I'm I'm calling their tough games as Stanford, yep. Utah, yep. Washington, and Oregon. Mm-hmm. So to me, Utah or USC is very could possibly lose those four, okay. right? And then Utah would control its own destiny. Utah, on the other hand, only has what I'm saying is three tough games based on their great schedule this this coming season. They're playing at USC, so they that's a huge game for them. It's early in the year; it's on September 20th. They're playing Washington State, and then they're playing at Washington. Those are the three big ones, and then they have a bunch of kind of easier Pac-12 teams on their on their schedule. They have Oregon State, Arizona State, Cal, UCLA, Arizona, and Colorado. So to me, those are all games that they'll, if not be favored, be very much in, and I would hope that they would win. And to me, it's just another reason why we should consider them for a bet. That's very interesting. And I mean, I know you said the USC is their biggest uh, kind of threat to this. USC's up in the air too. They're they're such a mess right now too. They hired Cliff Kingsbury to be their offensive coordinator in the offseason. He spurns them after a month in the NFL, so he's not there. I wonder if he even started putting in an offense and then they had to relearn a new one. Um so that's a mess. They've they've got a returning quarterback. I think he the kid was a freshman last year, uh J, JT Daniels. So, you know, maybe another season under his belt's going to help him, but still you got a sophomore quarterback who isn't like a super stud. Yeah, I mean, if that's their biggest competition, I, I think you know USC is, is not going to be doing or it shouldn't be causing too much noise compared to Utah. So, I like it. My only thought too, though, is uh, it, you know you said they had a bunch of injuries. Yep, that's impossible to to diagnose one way or the other. You know, you, you can never predict injuries. You just have to assume every team every year is going to get some kind of injuries. You just got to hope it's not going to be on those impact players. I mean, based on the returning production though, Eric, and a couple of things you just pointed out to me, I I like this pick. I really do. So what are the odds right now? You said it was at, at plus uh did we go plus, for that yet? 
Plus 800, yep, okay. which represents 11% chance likely to win the Pac-12 championship. So let's just pretend that they make the Pac-12 championship. It, okay. It'll likely be against something like uh, Washington or an Oregon would be my guess. You got to think that one of those teams is going to be favored in the game. Yep. That would just be my kind of guess right now. So what I would think about doing is taking Utah now at plus 800, seeing how they do across the season, and then possibly if Utah ends up making that championship game, we hedge out because we're little pussies and, <laughs> and lock in a profit and uh, and call it a day. But uh, that's what I'm thinking right now. Hey, I think you sold me on the plus 800. So I, I actually do like that pick a lot. So now talk to us about hedging. So I, I don't know if everyone knows about hedging. So if we were to put this bet down, we say, all right, we like Utah to win the Pac-12 at plus 800. Let's say the season starts playing out. It's looking like a good bet. Um Let's just cover the first scenario, which I think is the the biggest. Let's say Utah makes the Pac-12 championship, and now yep. we're sitting here with a chance to win whatever whatever money we put down at plus eight hundred. What do we do there? And and if we're going to hedge it, explain to the listeners what that means. Yeah, so there's uh, a lot of ways you could do it. Let's just talk about the sim- most simple way. So let's pretend exactly like you said, we have ten dollars down at plus eight hundred for Utah to win the championship. So if Utah won and we didn't do anything, our $10 would be multiplied by eight and we would win $80 total and get our $8 back from our initial bet. Or sorry, $10 back from our initial bet. So we'd get $90 total. Mm -hmm. So if we wanted to hedge, if we wanted to lock in a little bit of profit, we would basically say, okay, how could we, how much money would we want to bet or need to bet on Utah's opponent to win this game um, in order to kind of cover the loss that we would have on the $10 bet that we'd put down at the beginning of the season. Now I don't have a spreadsheet up here in front of me to kind of pretend to run those odds. But if we just said that, like, you know, if it's minus 200 um, for Washington to beat, you know, Utah, if we put $20 down on minus 200, we would win $10 from that. And that would cover our loss. Right. So we would lose $20 from, if Utah won from that, you know, 80, but we would cover our losses on the other side. So there's ways that you can kind of hedge and basically lock in a profit, assuming you get good enough odds. Yeah. And the key thing to remember when you're hedging is you want to cover your initial bet, not your potential winnings, because then you can kind of get a little crazy and overspend. So if you just want to cover your initial bet, you can do that. Obviously, you can go as crazy as you want when you hedge. Typically, when I do that, I want to make a bet where I'm going to at least clear some kind of profit either way. Yep. Yep. For sure. Yeah. And yeah. we can actually go into, uh, as the season goes along or um, as we get to bowl season or championship season, we can actually go into an example about what that would be and actually use numbers so folks can actually think about that in their minds. Okay. I think you sold me. And, and uh, listeners out there, what we're going to probably be doing is kind of highlighting each conference uh, and, and some potential future bets that we're going to make as we lead up to the college football season. If the listeners are out there, you want to treat us like a, a hedge fund and you want to send us your money and join in with us, we can talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> we need we need to show that we're actually smart and uh, make some good bets first, though. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, okay, that was a really good uh, foray into our futures bets. Now let's get to our last segment of the show, our favorite newish segment that we call Crossfire. Crossfire. Now, for the listeners who don't know, what we are doing is one of us is asking the other a series of random rapid-fire questions. The person who's asking the questions has not shared those questions with the person who's answering. Nope, not at all. 
And this is our third third take, right? Episode three. So, yep. So I answered. Uh, I asked them the first time to you. I believe you I asked them. You, didn't I? I, you did. You did. <laughs> <laughs> you took me last time, and now I'm up again, and I'm coming to you with a new theme. Yeah. Okay. And I gotta say too, you uh, you did better than I thought you were gonna do. I threw a lot of pop culture at you, which I thought was gonna throw you off, but you did very well. I got lucky. Yeah, I got <laughs> real lucky. So, okay, so uh, we alluded to it at the beginning of the pod, or sometime during the pod. You got engaged recently. Got engaged. Holy very, shit. Very exciting news. You're old. Your life is over. I'm an old man now. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, uh, your fiance, she's phenomenal. Yes, she she is, is from Georgia. Yep. The Peach she's, State. She's a Southerner. Yes. So, I was a little worried about you. You grew up in Connecticut. You grew up in the Northeast. Yep. A Yankee, as they say. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was worried about you. So I am theming my segment on the state of Georgia oh, in hopes of making you look smart in the future. Oh, baby. Okay, let's hope they're not listening in case I get things wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we are calling this segment, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Okay. All right. I like it. All right, so I have about 15 questions here. There's some kind of follow-ups, and there's some uh, just as is. We are just going to go for it. Are okay. you ready? Let's do it. Let the crossfire begin. Starting with the song. So the song is an up-tempo bluegrass song about the devil's failed attempt to steal a young man's what through a fiddle-playing contest. His soul? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Follow-up for extra credit. What is the young man's name? <laughs> Man. <laughs> I don't know that one. Johnny. Johnny. Fuck. Johnny. Okay. No follow. But that still counts as one correct. That's correct. Yes. Okay. Next question. Out of these options, which television show was not taped in Georgia? Taped or like set in Georgia? Uh, I'm saying taped. Okay. Matlock, The Walking Dead, Dukes of Hazard, or Seventh Heaven? Fucking A, man. <laughs> Matlock, look at you. What am I? Eight years old. <laughs> okay, give me so Matlock, Dukes of Hazard, Walking Dead, Walking Seventh, Dead Heaven. Seventh Heaven. I'm going to say Seventh Heaven. That's correct. Woo! Oh, my God. Is that like Tennessee or something? Um, I'm not sure. I think that was actually just taped in California, but it was based on a family who lived somewhere in the South. I don't think it was Georgia, but it was somewhere close. Yeah. Okay. Boom. My, wa- my wife would know, but I have no idea. All right. Next question, number three. Which of these notable musicians are not from Georgia? Okay. Ray Charles. Elvis Presley. Gladys Knight or Gnarls Barkley? I'm pretty confident Gnarls Barkley is from Georgia, as is Ray Charles. Give me the other two in there. Gladys Elvis, Knight. Elvis Presley or Gladys Knight? I know Elvis is a Nashville guy, but was he from Georgia? I'm going to say Elvis. That's correct. Woo! <laughs> He was born in Tupelo, Mississippi. Woo! You are killing it so far. Oh, my God. Okay. This question has a bunch of follow-ups. This is all based on the official state things of Georgia. Oh, geez. Okay. Here we go. 
You already you already got one. What is Georgia's state nickname? Peach State. That's correct. The other one that was listed is the Empire State of the South, but I know yeah. it as the Peach State. Yeah, come on. Uh, Georgia's state insect. Hmm. Hmm. State insect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've seen this other. You've seen this other places. A it lizard. Is a honeybee. That's a reptile. Honeybee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a honeybee. Okay. Yeah. Georgia State mammal. Hmm. State mammal. That's tough too. Hmm. Mm-hmm. State mammal. What the hell animals are down there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, it's not. It's found in a lot of spots. I'm gonna say a brown bear. Good guess. It's a white-tailed deer. Mm. Georgia State Song. It has the name of the state in it. In, in it. the title. Yep. Hmm. Georgia State Song. Heart of Georgia. Georgia on my mind, which is Fuck, most, I knew that. mostly associated with Ray Charles, but I think it was actually either written or first done by someone else. But damn it, I should have guessed that. All right, two more. Uh, Georgia's state crop. Gotta go crops. Corn. Ooh, good guess. Peanut. Peanut. I knew that yeah. too. Boiled peanuts are big down there. Oh, come on, that. pull it together. Pull it together. Okay, right. here I'm making a redemption. Georgia state food. Hmm. Typically for breakfast. Food. Grits? Yes, sir. That's correct. Hell yeah. All right. Number five. Name all the professional sports teams in Georgia from the major leagues. Okay. We got the Braves. Yep. Got the Hawks. Yep. Got the Falcons. Yep. The soccer team is the... (sighs) They were in the championship. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> didn't get a ton of people. Um, hold on. I've got three. I said the Hawks, the Falcons, the Braves. You're, you're think about the soccer team for now, and then there's an extra credit one. There's an extra credit one. Yeah. G- give me the soccer one. Do you know it? The Pride. Atlanta United FC. Damn it. That's MLS. And yep. extra credit, who was the NHL team that moved away from Atlanta in 2011? And wh- where are they now? Hmm. Coco, do you know that one? <laughs> um, let's see. That was the Thrashers. That's correct. And where and are they now? They are now the Winnipeg Jets. Dude, nailed it. Yeah, baby. Well done. All right. <laughs> Next question, number six. What professional baseball player was the first player from Georgia inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame? Ooh, the first person from Georgia. So it wouldn't have, well, hmm. Let's see. I'm going to say, wait, so the first person from Georgia or the first person that played on a team in Georgia? He was from Georgia. Damn it. That makes it so much harder. Um, 
I'm going to say Ty Cobb. That's correct. Oh, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's unbelievable. Oh, my God. How did you get that? Your guess, 100%. He was from Narrows, Georgia, and he was nicknamed the Georgia Peach. Wow, I did not know that. Okay. All right. You are dominating. You made me go to the casino tonight. Okay. Uh, True or false, Georgia is the largest state east of the Mississippi River. East of the Mississippi River. I'm going to say that's false. Ooh, that's true. Ooh, damn it. That's Mm. true. Mm. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Good to know. Uh, Number eight. The world's largest sculpture is located on the face of Stone Mountain, which is a famous attraction in Georgia. Now, that's not super impressive given it's Georgia, but whatever. (laughs) Who are the figures on the face and I'll say that there are three humans and an animal. I'll give you a hint. Is one a horse? That's correct. Yes. Is one Stonewall Jackson? Yes, that's correct. Is the horse Traveler? Yes, that's correct. Is one Robert E. Lee? Yes, that's correct. So I need one more? Uh-huh. Uh, Jefferson Davis. That's correct. Woo-wee! <laughs> That's my Richmond University, University of Richmond info coming. Oh coming my play. God! How did you pull that one out? <laughs> I didn't think you'd even. I didn't think you'd get any of them, let alone Traveler. Traveler, baby. <laughs> All right, and for the listeners, Traveler is Robert E. Lee's horse. All right, number nine. There's two more questions. Okay. What kind of wild animal was discovered and killed in Georgia, weighing in at a thousand pounds and measuring twelve feet in length? Holy. Fuck. I got to guess that's it's some kind of alligator. It was a wild hog and oh. he was nicknamed Hogzilla. Holy crap, that's a big ass hog. Yeah. I don't Damn. I don't know where I found that, but I I liked it. <laughs> All right. All right, last question. Um what was and this is a double a double parter. What was Georgia's most popular boy and girl name, baby name in 2018? Hmm. The boy one, I'll give you a hint. The boy one is pretty traditional. The girl okay. one not traditional at all. Starts with an A. Okay. A is going to be Amelia. Ooh, that's a good guess. Amelia was number four. Mm. The girl name was Ava. Ava? I got a cousin named Ava. Okay. And then the guy name is pretty traditional. Yes. Uh, I'm going to say Thomas. Oh, that's close. The name was William. William. Yes. Mm. Okay. Well, I think... Uh, the Georgian should be a little proud of this Connecticut Yankee. I think you did way better than what I would have expected. And now, uh, now you just have the toolkit to go and dominate some Georgia conversation in the future. Oh, I can't wait. Next time I'm going to ask all those questions. People are going to be, I'm going to see what they know. Let's see what the Georgians know. <laughs> yeah. Put them on the spot. I'm going to put my fiance to the test. See what she has to say about this stuff. <laughs> all right. That's it. That's all I got. All right, man. Well, that was a good episode. So everyone listening, uh, if you want to put in some future bets with us, uh, this might be the time to start investigating, seeing some odds. We're going to start covering uh, all the different uh, conferences as we lead up to the college football season. But uh, that's a wrap on episode 34. We'll see everyone next week. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.